Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Positively Wrestling. I'm your main man, Tim Kennard, and the heel to my face, the adversary across the space, Mr. Steven Davidson. How you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. I'm also the brain to your brawn. Okay, sure. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or maybe the brain to my finkel. <laughs> ah, I like it. I like it. Or to, to your gorilla. Or to the gorilla. <laughs> yeah, I like yes. that one. <laughs> monsoon season baby um of course i just dropped my phone but that's okay uh, <laughs> that's all right uh today's show we're looking at the uh the top 10 moments and matches my favorite moments your favorite matches and of course there's a lot of crossover there anyway um but uh just to give everybody an insight on some of the stuff we've really really loved over the years yeah and it's important to note that these are our favorites if we were to come up with lists of the best, there might be a lot of overlap, but they would be different lists. So we're not saying that you have to agree with this. this these are our personal favorite lists, and uh, there's a lot that goes into this, including uh, just how it affected us and how we resonated with it on a personal level. So um, enjoy. This will give you some insight into us, into who we are. And uh, if you haven't seen any of these matches or moments... We would really love for you to look them up and to enjoy and to to look for what we what we see in these. Yes, exactly. Um, and like I said, yeah, these are just some of our our favorite things in wrestling, in matches and moments. And so we're just going to jump right in here. Uh, going to start with a few honorable mentions, and we'll do three apiece here. My uh, number three for me honorable mention uh, is going to be Shawn Michaels' return to win the uh, the title at Survivor Series in the Elimination Chamber. Um, he had had that one match with Triple H at SummerSlam, I believe, and then mm-hmm. went in, and I don't think anybody expected it. I think it was, I, I totally didn't. And then he goes and wins the whole thing, and it's like, whoa, okay, <laughs> craziness. Uh, yeah, and at that point, it was kind of the Triple H title. Like, he was the one, it was gifted to him. Um, it was called a world title, but it was gifted to him, and he he had a stranglehold on it. Um, but and and Sean himself didn't expect to to stay when he came back for that SummerSlam match. And so to see him come in and win what was being groomed into a world championship was pretty surprising at the time. Uh, and man, those brown pants he wore too. Oh, I know. Everyone talks about the the brown bombers. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my first, I guess third, if we're counting down, my number three honorable mention, speaking of Shawn Michaels, would be Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. This was not the retirement match. This was the first match they had at WrestleMania. Um, and it's absolutely one of the one of the greatest matches ever, simply yes. put. Um, and one of the greatest WrestleMania matches ever. These two have always had great chemistry whether they were battling out as a final two in the Royal Rumble in 2007 or their matches in 1997 at Bad Blood and or 98 at the Royal Rumble where Shawn Michaels hurt his back. They always just gelled. And by this point, they'd had even more experience and they were even better than they were the first time that they had a program together. 
And uh, you didn't know who was going to win this thing. The The streak was on the line, and Shawn Michaels could very well have been the one to end it, and it would have made sense, and nobody would have complained about it, um, at least not from a credibility standpoint. So um, there was a lot of drama, and they took full advantage of it. They knew how to manipulate the audience, and it absolutely delivered on every level. I totally agree. I absolutely Love that program, the whole thing for the years that it went on, and even when Triple H became the one to face The Undertaker, just the chemistry was off the charts and amazing every time. Um, Moving into my number two uh, moment is uh, the moment uh, it was on a Raw. Paul Heyman uh, was coming out to plead his case to Vince McMahon to not fire him. Um, And he cuts this i mean Heyman. i mean Heyman. i mean promo promo Heyman. Heyman. they all go hand in hand yeah. the man is just magic on the stick and it's one of those moments where a lot of truth is in that promo where he's talking about talking to vince about what he doesn't like and how he ran his business and when he had ecw and and that whole thing and it's great um and he says, you know, you know, I lied and I do it again because I'm a promoter and that's what promoters do. That's <laughs> that's what it is. And it kind of peeled back the curtain a little bit. Um, so it was uh, a worked shoot, as they like mm-hmm. to call. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I, I love that promo. It's one of my favorite moments from Heyman and his promo work. Yeah. And it's hard to pick a favorite Heyman promo yeah. because every time he speaks, you listen and you enjoy it. Um, so yeah, you could have picked any one of a number of Heyman moments and I, I think it would have fit in pretty well, but, uh, yeah, that's a memorable, a memorable one for sure. All right. My number two honorable mention, the ultimate warrior versus the macho man, Randy Savage at WrestleMania seven, you know, the warrior doesn't get a lot of credit for his wrestling. And to be honest, he didn't have a whole lot of what you would call great matches, but when he was in there with someone who could go and who understood how to construct a dramatic, exciting wrestling match, he was able to elevate his game and just to, to stay with them. And this was one of those times. That match with Randy Savage told an excellent story. It was a retirement match. And uh, this could go, if, if I was to create a list of my top 10 moments, what followed the match would be my number one moment in wrestling history, the reunion of Randy Savage and Elizabeth. Um, I was a kid, and it hit me right in the feels, man. Um, We all wanted to see Randy Savage treat Elizabeth the way that uh, we wanted to treat Elizabeth, and we were finally going to get to. And uh, the match was great. It was dramatic. It was exciting. It was unpredictable. It was believable. And then the moment after was great. And so, yeah, that's my number two honorable mention. WrestleMania 7. If you haven't seen it and you think the Ultimate Warrior was nothing but someone who ran in and destroyed someone for three minutes and ran out, uh, you're not right. And you should go and you should watch this match because it's tremendous. Yes. I think and he does get credit, but I don't think he gets enough credit when you talk about Randy Savage, about how well he could work with someone less skilled. Um, or a powerhouse that doesn't have the technical kind of ability and make you believe that they were the second best wrestler on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bret Hart, another person who phenomenal at that, probably the best mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. at doing that. But yeah, no, great, great match, great moment afterwards uh, with Liz. Love that too. Um, rolling right along into my 
uh, number one honorable mention, and it's a recent one. Um, mm. And it is the performance of Roman Reigns in the Hell in the Cell match that was most recently on in 2020. Yeah. Um, for us, it was just last week, but uh, crazy, crazy amount of just emotion and just felt so real and like you just couldn't help but be sucked into this family drama. It was so well done. The match was good too, the way they constructed it, but it was really about the family and the relationships and the ties. And it was just, just so great. I just, I can't talk about how tremendous it was enough. Um, especially like with rains crying, he conjured uh, up actual tears and, you know, Jimmy coming in and, you know, and breaking the kayfabe and using like, it's Josh here, you know, mm-hmm. the real name. Uh, and sometimes when and that what happens, I liked, and what I liked about that is that it didn't have to be read as breaking kayfabe because Jay could be a nickname or, or another variant of Josh. Yeah. If you just look at the first letter, maybe they just called him by his first letter, J, and they yeah. turned that into a name. So it worked on multiple levels, and I like yeah. that aspect of it. Yep. Yeah, because sometimes when the real name gets brought up, it's kind of corny. It can take you out of it. Yeah, it, it just does. Yeah. But uh, I thought this was just done so perfectly, and uh, I know we've talked about it uh, outside of the show, but just loving Reigns right now, loving the character. Yeah. Some yeah. of that, well, I think the best work of his career so far. Absolutely, he's 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 living up to uh, the promise and what uh, Vince McMahon has seen in him all this time. My number one honorable mention match just fell outside the top ten: CM Punk versus John Cena, Money in the Bank, two thousand eleven. If you weren't watching at this time, man, you were missing out on something. It had been a while since an angle had caught fire like this. And um, it it didn't quite result in long-term viewership gains the way I think it should have. And honestly, I don't understand why, because it was pretty gripping. It was a perfect perfect marriage of storyline and real life behind the scenes. And uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. CM Punk walks in to this pay-per-view with a shot against John Cena, and it's his last night with the company. Yet he's got a title shot. And did we really expect him to win? No, we didn't. But pretty much everybody was on his side. Throw in the fact that he's in his hometown in Chicago. And that crowd was absolutely rabid. And uh, when he actually pulled it off and got the three count, it was a what's going to happen now moment. It was a wow. Uh, Cena was beaten by someone we wanted him to beat. And the match along the way was exciting and i'm going to use the same words for a lot of these matches because uh they deliver a lot of the same things i'm gonna go into more detail on my top 10 but yeah this one it was it was a roller coaster ride for sure and it looked like multiple times that cena was going to win in many of the same ways he had often won matches up to that point but cm punk kept getting up and kept kicking out until he eventually got the three count and uh it was a surprising moment because up to that point punk had not been pushed that strongly Mm -hmm. um and so to see him go over the Superman John Cena at his peak was a special moment, and it was a great match leading up to it. They told the story perfectly. Yes, I agree. Um, I also love two weeks later uh, when after Cena 
wins the belt because Punk's gone from Rey Mysterio. Right. And at the very end of the show, the music hits. And yeah. we don't know who it is because it's it's the cult of personality. It's brand new. Yeah. And then out came Punk. And what yeah. a moment that was, too. I mean, that. Well, and that, I was there. That was in Hampton, Virginia. And I was there that night. And, uh, yeah, that was definitely a cool moment. Very cool. Well, let's go ahead and start the top tens proper. Um, And we will kick off with a moment and then match, as we have with the honorable mentions. And I guess we will start with my number 10, which was the women's triple threat at WrestleMania between Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda. Um, And for me, I just... I love this match and the moment itself just because of what it meant for the women to finally be the main event of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Not just one of the main events, but the last one on the show, the go home, make the crowd feel good. Here's what you're going to remember from this show the most. Bam. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the hope anyway. I know everybody right. goes out at WrestleMania and wants to be the one that, man, I don't want to follow that. But what a great last match and the, the match was, was good and I liked it. And I love that Becky won, uh, the momentum she had, she should have won. Yeah. Uh, I know we've talked, it should have been a one-on-one match, but you know, we it got what we one. got yep. and it was still good. Um, yep. and not taking anything away from Charlotte, but yep. I would have much preferred to see Becky and Rhonda one-on-one in that moment. But, uh, still what a great moment for the women. Yeah, it was less about the match and more about the significance of the moment itself, like you're getting at, and and what it meant, not just for those three women. Yeah, especially for those three, but not only for those three. It was everybody had worked to get to that point. And when somebody finally was going to get to that point, it it wasn't just because of them. It was because of everybody that had, that had worked to build the division. And so they all deserved a part of that credit, and it was it was definitely a win for all of them. All right, my number 10 favorite match of all time. All right, let me give you a little bit of a warning. There's no WCW or NWA in my list. Sorry about that. I know some of you are not going to like it, but these are my favorites, and I just didn't grow up watching WCW or NWA. So you're going to get a lot of matches that resonated with me personally, Um, and that wasn't WCW or NWA when I was a kid. But what I am starting out with is not a WWE or WWF match either. We're talking stardom. I just recently saw this match for the first time, although it's a match from May 15th, 2016, in which Io Shirai is defending the World of Stardom Championship against Mayu Iwatani. Um, The historical significance of the match isn't that great, but the match itself was unbelievably executed and believable to the point where I started to question if they were really mad at each other. Um, (laughs) They were really, really laying it in, and um, the it, it features the best crossbody to the outside I've ever seen, and I've been watching wrestling in, for 35 years, and I've never seen a crossbody to the outside like the one Io Shirai hits Mayu Watani with in this match. Um, but just, it's brutal, it's, it's gritty, um, it's unpredictable. It's not a match that features near fall after near fall after near fall. That's not what this match is. They went for something a little more grounded. They went for something a little more believable. And there's a story to it, too. They were tag team partners. They were tag team champions. They had been Thunder Rock for a while. Thunder Rock! 
Um, <laughs> and uh, they, they, along with Kyrie Hojo, who a lot of you know better as Kyrie Sane, uh, they were a trio. Among the three of them, by the time this match rolled around that night, they had every belt in the company. Um, and then after this match, EO went on a European tour and came back with another one. Um, <laughs> so they looked like the Dudley boys. Um, so you had tag team. I mean, they didn't look like the Dudley boys. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but they, they were carrying gold like the Dudley boys. And um, just they, they pounded each other. It felt real. And uh, it was hard to say who was going to win because eventually Mayu did win. Mayu was the one who took that title from Io. It just wasn't that night, but it very well could have been. And it was it was just the, the things they tried and the things that they did uh, just took me on a ride. And it was a ride four years after the match had already happened. I knew who was going to win and I was still really into it. And uh, it blew me away. And I agree. I just recently got to watch this uh, as well as I've been starting to get to see some of the stardom action and um, made a point to watch this one specifically. You had been on me to watch this one, uh, Mm -hmm. especially for this show. And yeah, no, incredible match. That crossbody, a thing of beauty. Oh, my Lord. I mean, and some of those trapping German dragon suplexes. So brutal looking. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, but yeah, they no. wanted to win the match. Yeah, they wanted it, to win the match. Yep, it was very, very well done. All right, moving on to number nine Moment. in my greatest moments, um, of course, is uh, Steve Austin winning the King of the Ring uh, in '96, uh, right? '97. Yep. Yep. '96. '96, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, specifically uh, the birth of Austin 316 in that promo uh, during the quote-unquote coronation <laughs> of his win. Um, I, just, I just love this promo. I, I, again, we've talked about it before, but just uh, how quickly, and especially if you've seen the stories of how he kind of came up with it on the fly. Uh, the story behind it, as he's told in documentaries, is that, you know, uh, he came back from the hospital because of the stitches from the first match uh, with Marrow, and he asked uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, he was like, you know, what did Jake say in his interview and his promo and everything? And he said he was talking about, you know, uh, John 3.16 and the passages from the Bible, and then Austin just kind of on the fly came up with, you talk about your John 3.16, well, Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. And just... Uh, what a again what a promo and to see what it became after that uh was tremendous i mean both as his persona but also i mean you can't go any uh, you know month even the next night you saw signs that said austin 316 but then as soon as they started marketing them you had a sea of shirts and people just wearing austin 316 everywhere it was the beginning of of so much in the beginning of everything in the beginning of the next big boom in wrestling and the significance of that promo just absolutely can't be denied yeah all right my number nine favorite match of all time goes to bailey versus sasha banks october 7th 2015 this is their iron man match this is not 
the Brooklyn match. This is the rematch. Sasha Banks' last match in NXT was supposed to be the match in Brooklyn, but it went over so well that they brought her back for a rematch after losing the championship to Bayley. And so she came back for one more match, as Christian would say, and she got that match in the form of an Iron Man match. Now, Iron Man matches are my favorite gimmick matches because it's all about the wrestling, and mm-hmm. it's it's they can be crafted in such a way that you're getting falls in ways that you normally wouldn't get falls. Moves that people would normally be kicking out of, they don't necessarily kick out of here. And so you can get three counts off of things that you're not used to seeing three counts off of. So they can be unpredictable in that way that another match maybe won't be. Um, These two crafted an excellent match. Um, Sasha's character work in this match is among my favorite that I've ever seen. When she takes the headband from... Bailey superfan Izzy in the front row, little girl, and then puts it on and parades around the ring. And then when Bailey's Bailey, sorry, when Izzy is already crying at this point, she takes it off and chucks it at her. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. It might be my favorite heel moment in wrestling history. I I get a kick out of that every time I see it. Uh, but they, I, my only regret, it's not well. There were two regrets I had in this match. It wasn't a 60-minute Iron Man match. I would have loved that. We got a 30-minute Iron Man match. And the finish, having Sasha tap out with just seconds to go, I, I'm not a fan of that finish. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They, I know they told her to do it, and then they told her to do it again in 2016 against Charlotte, so they've made her do that a couple of times, and I'm not a fan of that. But <laughs> they they played off their match in Brooklyn, and they told an amazing, amazing story, and the work was just nonstop, and it was, again, believable. Uh, they weren't doing things that you wouldn't do if it, was, if it wasn't real. Um, and it was just another ride. We, we knew Bailey was going to win because Sasha was done with NXT, so that was, that, that was working against it, but it was the story in getting to that finish, and uh, it was an excellent one. I agree. Uh, tremendous match. Uh between the two they always put together a tremendous match i mean i i don't know that there's been a bailey versus sasha that you can't sit there and say it's one of the best right. um so yeah no again I, I i agree i don't like the the tap out with only a few seconds to go it doesn't make a lot of sense because yeah. they usually have over the loudspeakers the countdown so why wouldn't you hold on an extra three seconds? You know? Yeah, yeah. and, and I mean, the, fans, the fans are going to count down, too. That's what we do. We fans, there's nothing wrestling fans love more than counting down from 10. Look, we're doing it right now. That's right. We do it 60 times every January, and then now we're doing it two more times. We're counting down from 10 62 times this year, Tim, just because we're wrestling fans. So when they're counting down on that Ironman match, the crowd's going to be counting down, and you're going to know you have two or three seconds left. So why would you, if you've held on that long, why would you tap with two or three seconds to go? But that's not her fault. They tell them how to right. end the match. Um, but the, the rest of it was pretty much them and their agent, and it was, it was perfect. Yes. Uh, moving on to uh, number eight. On my list of greatest moments. Uh, And for me, it's going to be Mickey and Trish. uh, Specifically, uh, the first women's Royal Rumble match. And the moment when they're both in the ring, they see each other, the smiles, and the crowd catches on. And and everybody's like, oh, and the crowd goes nuts. 
I had goosebumps. Um, I thought it was amazing. And it kind of ties in also to, I guess, you know, the rest calling back to the WrestleMania match where Mickey uh, beat Trish. And we've, we've spoken about that moment before uh, on another show um, when Mickey basks in the glory of the crowd for the performance uh, mm-hmm. and just all that. I love that emotion uh, from the crowd because the performers, they feed off of it and it makes it that much more special. And a- a- as a performer in a different way, not as a wrestler, of course, but <laughs> um, when the crowd gives you that love, you, you just, it, it just makes you feel so good and you just feed off of it. And it's so great. Um, and I, I loved uh, when they saw each other at the Rumble, the crowd got it. And I mean, we only got a quick little interaction, but still, it was just so good. Yeah, it was a great throwback to one of the more memorable women's feuds up to that point. Um, and I, I liked seeing that the crowd did catch on to it because you never know. Uh, the attention span and the memory of wrestling audiences, not always the best. Um, but they, they did remember that and they, like you said, when they caught on to it and you could feel and hear the swell of the crowd. Um, yeah, it was one of uh, a number of great moments in that match. Oh yes. Okay. My number eight favorite match of all time, WrestleMania six, the ultimate warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you in 1990, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior were my two favorite wrestlers. This was insanity for me. Now, (laughs) I hear a lot of people say that face versus face matches don't work because the crowd doesn't want to choose one. And I have found generally when it's built right and when your talent's over, the opposite is true. The crowd definitely chooses one because they know the person next to them, maybe their favorite is the other person. Is the other is the other guy or girl, and you want to out cheer that person next to you so that your person is getting louder cheers, and that's what that crowd was doing that night. Everybody picked a side. Everybody was for either Hogan or the Warrior. I loved both. I was for Hogan. I had a friend come over to watch. He was for Warrior. Let me tell you, we weren't quiet. All right, <laughs> we were not quiet that day. Um, we were into it, and. Um, they, neither Hogan nor the Warrior are known for their acrobatics, but they don't need to be. Not every match has to be about the moves, the OMG move set. Doesn't matter if you construct a match in a proper way to tell a dramatic story. And Pat Patterson helped them put this match together. And it was as dramatic as any match I can recall. You couldn't tell who was going to win. You desperately wanted your person to win. Um, now, I recently heard Bruce Pritchard talk about this match and saying that the reason the face warrior beating the face Hogan for the title might have hurt is because of those people who preferred Hogan. They, the warrior beat their guy, and maybe they didn't want to get behind the warrior as much for that, whereas if a heel had beaten Hogan and then warrior had beaten the heel, then warrior has beaten the heel and everybody's behind him. And, you know, I'd never thought of that before, and that makes sense to me. But that night, that match, oh, it was everything because Hogan and Warrior had never even shared the screen together until the Royal Rumble of that year. And we couldn't imagine what it would be like if those two finally clashed. And they did. And it was epic. And I loved every second of it. Yeah. And this is at a time um, 
kind of, I think at this point, I think we knew each other because this was middle school. Um, well, I still lived in Virginia Beach at this. Oh, point, so okay, no. okay. This is okay. This is a little bit. I, I moved, I, yeah, I moved that summer. So, okay. but you and I didn't meet until 1994. Was it that late? Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I thought it was earlier. But anyway, it's yeah. just been so long. <laughs> yeah. uh, but for me, this is when I was still um, just consuming wrestling by going to the video store and renting whatever uh, you know tapes they had. So I probably saw this a year after it actually happened. Um, and But I remember even watching it then, I still I knew the significance and I knew you know, how crazy it was that these two were going one-on-one, like, oh, my God, they're both face. Who do you cheer for? Um, I mean, I was for Hogan. I was also a Hogan guy. I like mm-hmm. the Warrior. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wanted Hogan to win the match as I was watching. Um, but, yeah, tremendous, tremendous. And, I, and yeah, I, with what Pritchard said, it does make sense um, for from that standpoint of, you know, you do lose maybe a little bit of the fans – that aren't going to get behind Warrior because he beat Hogan. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a risk they took. And I still thought it was tremendous. It was great. A great match. Great moment. Uh, yeah. WrestleMania-worthy main event. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next up, lucky number seven on my favorite moments is the debut and the countdown clock ending for Mr. Y2J. In the middle of the Rocks promo on Monday Night Raw, um, I, I, I just to I mean again we're going to say a lot of the same things about a lot of this stuff and use the same phrases, but the electricity and the crowd because it starts counting down and everybody's like because they've been doing this for what almost two months probably three months yeah. before there was a build there was a build there was a huge build. And I think because I think Jericho said they started running these promos when technically he was still under contract at WCW <laughs> before mm-hmm. he had actually left. Um, but he had already had a meeting uh, with Vince, of course, for lawyer purposes. They didn't specifically say anything about signing him and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. one of those kind of meetings, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Um, but yeah, and, and the countdown hits. And the music starts that, you know, break the walls down. Uh, and then the Y2J pops up in Jericho and the crowd just lit up. And it part of it kind of surprised me um, because, you know, Jericho had been in WCW and he had been big on the independent scene and been in ECW. Um, and he had really made a great character for himself when they let him go heel in WCW um, and people started to take notice, but I didn't realize how excited the crowd would be for him to come over. And he was w- one of the first like big talents that WWE took from WCW. Um, and just crazy, crazy reaction. What a moment for him to come out and spar with the rock. Um, but just, I loved it. It was so good. I, I've watched it a thousand times. I've went back to watch that raw just for that moment and nothing else from that raw, but that moment a hundred times, at least I, I love that crowd reaction. I love that debut. Huge pop, huge build. 
and I think he was one that people always wanted to see more from in WCW, and they got the sense that coming to WWF, we might finally get to see that, and we did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, fantastic. All right, my number seven favorite match of all time. From the Royal Rumble in 2003, Kurt Angle defending the WWE Championship against Chris Benoit. Um, I'm not going to to get into Chris Benoit's legacy. We all know that. I'm talking about the match. And there were two people in this match. And uh, I'm not going to ignore the great work of Kurt Angle for something he's not responsible for. Uh, This match was absolutely tremendous. And uh, if if nothing else, Angle deserves a recognition for his part of that. Um, The the closing, this, this was a Matt Wrestling classic. Um, this felt like something you would see at the Olympics, almost, with the exception of, you know, some suplexes, some German suplexes and, and angle slams. Um, you won't see too much of that in the Olympics, but so much grappling and so much submissions. And Benoit hadn't been built that great up to that point, but they were good enough that night that they made you think he might win that championship. And that this might be his time. Um, his time was to come a, a year and change later. It wasn't that night. But something else interesting about this match is it immediately followed what I think, in my opinion, is the worst championship match on pay-per-view history. Triple H and Scott Steiner, which was just absolutely everything that could be bad about a match, that match featured. And then it was followed by this um, which is one of the greatest championship defenses ever, if not the greatest championship defense ever. And so just that dichotomy is quite interesting to me. So um, uh, I, I can understand if you don't want to watch anything with Chris Benoit. I get it. That's cool. But if if you're able to and you haven't seen that match, definitely go back and watch it. Uh, the crowd gave it a standing ovation at the end. It was that good. And uh, I remember it very very fondly and angle angle is absolutely one of the greatest in-ring competitors of all time i I agree angle is phenomenal uh i'm in the same boat uh you know separating everything uh you know what happened with chris benoit happened tragic not going to speak about it um but you can't ignore how good this match was yeah you really can't um it was fantastic um yeah (laughs) The preceding match. Oh, I'd almost forgotten about H and I uh, wish I had. Steiner. Oh, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I remember it. Yeah, <laughs> it was rough. It was rough, oh. and it wasn't Triple H. Well, Triple H was in his best at that time, but he wasn't going out and having the worst matches ever. It, no. I, I don't blame Triple H for that. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, let's see. Moving on to number six. In my favorite moments, we were there, we were live, King of the Ring, 1998, and uh, the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, everybody knows what we're talking about. It's Mankind, it's Undertaker, and the moment when, you know, and I remember they're on top of the cage, they're on the side because we were kind of to the left behind the King and JR. No, behind Howard Finkel. I'm sorry, behind Howard Finkel. Yeah, King um, and JR were on the other end. Yeah, but we were right behind Howard Finkel to the point where we talked to him throughout the night. Yes. And 
we're, I'm looking up and they're there right there on the edge. And I remember there were a bunch of people. I think I joined them uh, in chanting, throw him here. How dumb that would have been. Uh, I'd be dead. <laughs> Definitely did not chant that. I, I uh, was not part of that at all. Uh, but the, man, the crowd, the, the crowd was. <laughs> the crowd <laughs> was least, bloodthirsty. Yeah, they're bloodthirsty crowd. And what a match to, to see if you're bloodthirsty. And then it happened. He threw him and he went through the, um, I think the Spanish announce desk, I believe is the one he crashed through. <laughs> of course. Which other one would it be? Yeah. I know, right? You're not going <laughs> to throw him at JR and the King. Uh, and just the air that got let out of the room, a collective gasp of however many thousand people of just <gasps> like couldn't believe it. Oh my God, what have we witnessed? Um, just total craziness and it's almost like time froze because like it was so surreal and like i've gone back and you watch it on on video and it's like okay everything seems normal speed but being there was something else and uh when for the people at home when they saw it for the first time i'm assuming it was the same kind of reaction like just whoa i cannot believe what i just watched Holy shit. <laughs> and that's the I chance. thought he was dead. I yeah, thought he I mean, was dead. It was just literally was like just like he's he he's died. It's over. Uh I remember I got I, I know you've met him too. Oh, sorry, my camera. Uh I know you've met him too and a professional outfit here, folks. Yes. Uh <laughs> and uh we both met him at where he's had his like his tour uh yep. talking about uh like his like stand up thing and um, I remember I told him, I was like, uh, you know, I, I said the same thing. We know we thought you were dead. <laughs> we were right there when we saw it happen and we couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah. but wasn't the end of the match. He took an even worse bump <laughs> Yeah. after that, yeah. going through the top of the cage. Yeah. Um, by and, accident, that one wasn't planned. Yeah. That one was not supposed to happen. Um, but yeah. Just craziness, but yeah, love that match. Uh, love that we got to be there. Um, in the front row, not just in the there, front row, in the front row. Yeah, you got to keep the chairs. I mean, so yeah, cool. Yeah. In fact, I'm sitting on mine right now. All right, yeah, oh, man, yep. I actually am. Um, but yeah, just I love that match. I love that moment. Yeah, and the wildest event I've ever been a part of. For sure, with between that and the first blood match uh, between Austin and Kane that that followed it, uh, yeah, that was definitely a crazy night for sure. Glad glad I got to be a part of that. Oh yes. All right, my number six favorite match of all time. Mm, it's not a repeat. It's Sasha Banks versus Bailey, October twenty fifth, two thousand twenty. Tim, for you and I, this was two days ago. Yeah, this was their Hell in a Cell match, and. This match blew me away, and I have to say, I, I was afraid I was ranking this one so high because of who was involved and because of my purely my emotional investment. So I went back and I rewatched it, and no, that's not it. I mean, sure, that that's going to add a little bit to it for me, but this match was brilliant in its construction. Let me let me tell you, I, I've been watching wrestling for a long time, and I don't just watch it. I I scrutinize every little moment that I that I take in and um, they constructed this match in such a way that 
it's almost like they said, we're going to fool Steven Davidson. Um, because they constructed it in a way that was saying Bailey's going to retain. Sasha dominated through practically the whole match. She took her bumps and she took her lumps. But not for long. There, there was never any significant stretch where Bailey was in control. There wasn't a traditional heat segment. It was Sasha essentially kicking Bailey all over the place for the better part of half an hour. And when that happens, when a face is doing that to a heel, the heel finds some way to pull it out in the end, some, some cowardly way or something, some lucky way. Um, they were telling the story of Sasha's neck historically in that feud with Charlotte that she had in 2016. It was kayfabe injuries that caused her to lose to Charlotte, and they definitely played that up, and they were telling that same story in this match, and it was pointing to Bailey retaining, and they didn't do it. They bucked convention. They fooled me, which is not easy to do. Um, so not so. There was that aspect of it, the match construction, which nobody. I I don't know who helped them with that match, um, but Sasha's matches tend to be that way. So I know she has significant input into her matches, and she's always bucking conventions. She's had tag matches on Raw where she gets the win without making a hot tag. How often do you see tag matches where the face team doesn't make the hot tag and they pull out the win before doing that? Um, she she constructs her matches in ways that give us stories that we haven't seen before, but that are realistic and that would happen if wrestling was real. And that's what we saw in this match. We saw what would have happened if this was real. And to, to top it off, what, what really sealed it for me was after she got the win, the look on her face, she didn't look at the belt. She looked at Bailey, and she just sat there and looked at Bailey. And it was very much like Roman Reigns. It was a genuine mix of anger and sadness to, to a degree of believability that you don't see out of professional wrestlers. Sasha's that good. And then Bailey made me laugh when she was trying to get the duct tape <laughs> to tape those those kendo sticks together and the referee is hanging out looking at her and she says and if you weren't paying attention you could have missed it if you weren't paying attention shame on you um but she she says i'm so sweaty can you help me with this to the referee and his reaction was great he's like no i can't help you with this <laughs> um, that i mean her character work has just been excellent as well it's not it wasn't just sasha it was the two of them um yeah, Sasha has has the tendency to to think to a degree that nobody else does when constructing matches, but Bailey's there too. And and Bailey Bailey does a lot of the same things. And it was it was and finally Sasha getting a, a title win on a pay-per-view as a face. Um she she'd had one against Alexa, but at, at SummerSlam, but eight days later she lost a title. So it doesn't feel like that's gonna happen this time. I think this is actually going to be a run for Sasha. Um, I hope by the time we post this, she's not the former champion. Um, I'm going to be really mad if that's the case. Uh, but it doesn't feel like that's the direction they're going. I think this is going to be a real run for her. And she she needed it for her character's legacy, and she got it. And then the, the story they told um, was 
brilliant. And she's an opportunistic wrestler. She doesn't set up her opponent in these these contrived ways where they have to stay in one spot for 30 seconds while she gets into position. She plays it real. She takes advantage of the opportunities that present themselves, just like you would do if you were a real wrestler. She doesn't try to set people up for 10 minutes and make them hang over a top rope while she climbs to the turnbuckles and eventually jumps off 30 minutes later. Um, looking at those meteors she was delivering, I'm gushing about this match because I can tell <laughs> how much thought went into every little moment. And you just please pay attention to this sort of stuff because I feel like a lot of people don't. And, and the genius of these two is overlooked. And I absolutely loved it. And I want to watch it again as soon as I can. Yeah, tremendous, tremendous uh, standing O for the ladies in this one. It was so good. I uh, almost cringed to think what that spot was going to be with the kendo sticks. Um, well, and that's another thing. The kendo sticks wouldn't stay together, so they didn't try to force the spot. Yeah, They realized this isn't going to work, so they didn't do it. And that that's the difference between somebody who's good and somebody who's great. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, that just fantastic match. I, I can't fault you for putting it into your top 10. It is that good. Um, moving along, uh, now we're down to, I believe number five on our list. Uh, starting with my favorite moment. Number five, Hogan's NWO reveal at bash of the beach. And really it's kind of the whole build to this, um, with Scott Hall showing up first out of nowhere on Nitro, and everybody's like, "What? What's going on? That that that's Razor Ramon. What's he doing here?" Because uh, this is this kind of predates the internet before you know you had all the the dirt sheets that people could just log on and see. Um, we had it, but it wasn't quite. It wasn't what it is today, and it wasn't as reliable as it. Uh, okay, it's not reliable today. Let's be honest. <laughs> but it, now you kind of know who who has a tendency to be more right and who doesn't. Um, and back then, you didn't. You didn't have any idea. Yeah, and uh, then you know, I think the next week or the week after, Nash joins him, um, and you know they have that build up, uh, power bombing Bischoff. Uh, through the 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 stage, uh, setting up. You know, we got our guy and our our mystery guy. You pick your three best, bring it out, and they go at Bash at the Beach, and you have Hall and Nash, uh, basically dub the Outsiders, and they're going against a uh, Sting, Luger, and Macho Man, um, and they're getting the best of them, beating them down. And then Hogan comes through the curtain and is coming down, walking with a purpose. And he's in the yellow and red. And everybody's like, the hero's here. Our savior's here. He's going to kick these guys out. WCW is saved. And he comes in and he drops the leg on Savage. And Jesus, what a reaction from the crowd. Um, The amount of debris that gets thrown (laughs) into the ring. Uh, after all of this and he aligns with them and it's the birth basically of the new world order, the NWO and yeah. And you, if you go back and watch it and even, I think it's uh, the brain even comments that it looks like Okerlund's uh, tearing up and it did. It looked like he was genuinely sad at this moment that's happening. Cause I mean, just, you can't even, put into words and fathom what it was like for Hogan to be a bad guy. Yeah. It was 
oh my god um and i mean this is really what you know turned that tide and wcw then started to run away with the monday night wars um for 82 weeks um in the rating 83 83 weeks I always yeah. get that wrong for some reason. 82 is what I think. Um, it's Bischoff's yeah. podcast. I know. And I want to call it the 82-week podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 83 weeks uh, of straight just spanking the WWE in ratings. Um, and they're, and they're, it, depending on how much is actually completely true and how much they kind of Hollywood up for the documentaries and stuff, but there was a time when, you know, WWE maybe having to close its doors was a viable option because of what was going on. Um, so, I mean, this is a huge, huge important moment in wrestling and to rejuvenate the career of Hogan, who recently, uh, as many as a few weeks before the pay-per-view before had been getting booze. Um, and so this was just crazy and just, they ran with it probably a little too long uh, uh, with the NWO, but that's a whole different story. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, this what a moment! I I, I remember <laughs> I can't get in trouble for it now, so it doesn't matter. Um, oh, I remember going? <laughs> back then um, with cable, you know, the pay per view channels <laughs> they'd be scrambled, yeah. um, but the audio would still come through. Yeah. And we had that the old school, the gigantic satellite dish out in the, uh, yeah. in the yard. In the yard, yeah. And I figured out a way to find to where it would at least show me the video of a Spanish pay-per-view broadcast of the yeah. event. And then I hooked up my stereo to the TV, ran the speaker from my room into the room where the satellite was, so I could watch it with the sound. Yeah. Uh, and watch that and yeah, was well i was i was over there with you that night. oh that's right you did I, yeah yeah i was you, there that night with you you came over and just how just crazy so crazy uh and i think yeah. i have to just for nostalgia's sake i'm going to say sting ming sting, um, yeah that's an inside <laughs> joke that we're not going to explain yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry sting and sorry ming i know neither of you are ever going to listen to this but um <laughs> You don't need to know what we're talking about either. Um, but yeah, the, the whole thing was built as though it was WWF at the time invading WCW. And so um, and we wanted to believe that was real. Like it felt real to some extent. I mean, we knew the matches weren't real, but we we didn't know what the contract status was yeah. of anybody. And so we didn't know if maybe these WWF guys were still with WWF and we're just on loan to WCW for something really cool. Like we couldn't put our finger on what was actually happening. And so um, I remember we talked, you know, what if it's Hogan? We didn't really believe it, that the third guy would be Hogan, but <clears throat> it would have been cool in our minds because it would have maybe suggested, at least to me, it would have suggested that maybe Hogan is going to be back with WWF and that would be cool. Yeah. Um of course, that wasn't the case, um, but we didn't know. So there, it was this this mix of of reality and fiction, <clears throat> and that really uh, that added a lot to that story. And it also got WCW in some trouble too um, because they played it a little too real. So yeah, they, uh, they were their WCW care uh, their WWF characters, and you know can't do that. 
Yeah, there was uh, lawsuits that uh, yeah. were involved with this, and they did have to come out. I believe it was uh, actually, I think it's the the night that uh, that they uh, power bombed Bischoff through the the staging. Was he had to come out and said, "Do you work for the WWF?" And yeah. they were like, "No." And no. They, they legally had to do that because of yeah. the 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 lawsuit that was going on. And of course, WWE tried to. Uh, uh, play into it a little bit by having the fake razor and diesel, the pictures that we saw, it looked like yeah. they were there kicking somebody. So you're like, Oh, okay. What is going on? Of course, yeah. then we found out what a dud that was. <laughs> right. But you know, it got bigger contracts for Hall and Nash and WCW because yeah. WCW believed it. Yeah. They thought <laughs> crazy. They were there to screw up their company and they were going <laughs> to jump back ship because they hadn't even signed them to actual hard copy contracts. Yeah. <laughs> and so, they got like an extra 300 grand or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a crazy time. It was yes. definitely a crazy What a time. crazy time for wrestling. Yeah. All right. My number five favorite match of all time. SummerSlam 1992. The British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith versus Bret the Hitman Hart. This was for the Intercontinental title. This was a significant match beyond the match quality, which was top of the line. Um, it was significant in a couple of ways. For one, uh, this was the first pay-per-view without Hulk Hogan. Um, Hogan had left after WrestleMania 8 earlier that year. And so this was, this was all down to everybody else. And um, the Intercontinental title got the main event slot. So the World Championship match was Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage. Another great match, by the way. Those two had great chemistry. So definitely go back and watch that, too. Really good storytelling in that match. But it was Brett and Davey that got the main event spot. Now, part of that was because they were in London, England, where Davey Boy Smith is from. And he was the hometown hero. This was another face-versus-face match. I told you I like those. I like those when the talent's over and when the fans are into it. And so we had that component of it as well. This was also the first major angle involving family members butting heads and going to battle with each other. Uh, now it's a commonplace thing. I mean, we, we've just been seeing it with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Of course, Brett and Owen had their thing. Um, it happens all the time now, but at that time, it really didn't. And so it felt special. It felt different. Uh, you wanted to see what was going to happen. And the two of them put on an excellent match. Um, it was a match that you... you you couldn't call based on the action. I mean, you might have had a sense that Davy Boy was going to win because of where they were. Um, but had the match been somewhere else, you wouldn't have had that sense necessarily. Um, and to hear Brett tell it, he says Davy was out of it when the match began because of some foreign substances in his system and that he, he, he carried Davy through the match. That's what Brett says. That's what it listen. I don't think Brett would be lying. That's what Brett believes, whether he's right or wrong. Um, honestly, it doesn't matter whether that's true or not. It was a, an absolutely astounding match. Um, it's it's not it's not as dynamic as a lot of the stuff you see today. Um, a lot of the near falls that you bought watching that match, you wouldn't buy today because, I mean, Brett Brett was a a, a trendsetter, and people have based their work on Bret Hart and taken a lot of what he does and worked it into their style. So we're used to seeing a lot of that now when he was inventing this stuff before. And so 
Um, it wasn't transparent back then like it would be now. But the work in this match was excellent. It was a face versus face match, but Brett went a little edgy and and leaned into that heel character that he's so good at um, to, to kind of help Davey and help the story of the match. And then you had Diana out there, Brett's sister, Davey's wife, adding to the drama. And uh, at the end, they shook hands and held each other's hands up, and it was it ended up being a good family moment. And uh, I wanted Brett to win. I was disappointed with the outcome, but absolutely not disappointed with with the match. Yeah, no, uh, a great match, great drama with the family. Like I say, one of the first times that we uh, saw like family members, especially in the WWE, and that used that real emotion um, to tie into storyline. Um, and yeah, I think, and if I remember correctly, the finish is like Davy boy gets him in, like pins his legs down in this weird pinning position. Brett, Brett goes for a sunset flip and, oh, yeah, and sits, then he sits down and pulls his legs forward. Pretty much just traps him. Yeah. Um, I mean, great coronation for Davy hometown boy getting the win. Can't fault him for going that direction. Um, yeah. like I, again, I know much. you, you yeah. would have, uh, much preferred Brett to win, but. Um, well, but you know, it led to better things because six true. weeks later, Brett was the WWF champion. So, yeah. um, I was all right with it. Yeah. Overall. <laughs> yeah. Tremendous. Uh, all right. We've crested the top five. So now we're going to number four. Uh, my favorite moment, the build, the match, basically the whole event for Yesel mania, uh, with Daniel Bryan finally getting that brass ring. As they say, even though he had been champion before, but it was a very, the way he lost that championship was just, we're not even going to that shameless and shameful, uh, yeah. uh, like what was eight seconds, but the beginning but, of something for him though. That's kind of where it started yes. for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of, that kind of got us to this point, mm-hmm. um, and the yes movement, how much the fans really got behind this, um, I mean, almost, almost Austin level, if not more, or on the same um, par with it, because the crowd was just so. I mean, they were doing it at football games. I mean, the mm-hmm. yes movement just went on everywhere through sports and entertainment. Uh, and then you know he had to overcome so much. He had to beat Triple H earlier in the night, uh, which he does, and that puts him in a triple threat with uh, Batista and Orton. And just the what it, the the battle scars he must have, and what you thought like the crap he had to go through to get there, because the match with Triple H was brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, does he have enough? Can he overcome these other two behemoths? Because I mean, it ain't like Batista's small, mm-hmm. and Orton's going to go down as one of the greatest entering performers in history. I believe he's just consistency no matter what your opinions are on him currently, (laughs) but his accolades, I mean, they speak for themselves. He's accomplished so much. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, he finally gets it. He hits the, the running knee um, and then puts the, the yes lock on Batista, I believe for the victory. Mm -hmm. If I remember it correctly. And the crowd just erupts. The confetti comes down, and I mean, that's a loud crowd pop afterwards, and it goes on for a long time. <laughs> and it was just yeah. amazing. It was great. Um, 
I just I absolutely love the build, everything, the raw takeover. I mean, the six months that building up to it um, when they really started the ramp up that led to that moment at WrestleMania was just crazy. It was amazing. It was it was it was awesome to see a non Vince type be put in that spot and be the guy. Yeah. I, I I went to the Royal Rumble that year in 2014. So I, I was at the Rumble where we wanted and expected Daniel Bryan to be in it, and he wasn't. All we got from Daniel Bryan that year was a loss to Bray Wyatt in the opening match. Um, to this day, Bray Wyatt's best match, by the way. Um, but that's... And then he wasn't in the Rumble. Number 30 hit and Rey Mysterio came out, and uh, we weren't happy. People were booing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, people thought that we were booing Rey Mysterio. We weren't booing Rey Mysterio. We were booing the WWE for not listening to us. Yeah. And not listening to what we wanted. Um, I don't dislike Rey Mysterio. I like Rey Mysterio. He's a legend. I, I, I wasn't booing Rey Mysterio. Um, and, and so, to, to this day, Daniel Bryan's my second favorite current wrestler, active wrestler. Um He's tremendous. I, I've looked at him as the modern-day Bret Hart um, for not only his ring style, but the thought he puts into what he does. And I was so behind him and so wanted him to to be in the top spot like he deserved to be, like Bret Hart had been before him. And so, yeah, seeing that happen at WrestleMania 30 was absolutely a, a great moment and very much vindication for him and for us. Yes. All right. My number four favorite match of all time. July 6th, 1997, Canadian Stampede. This was an in-your-house event out of Calgary. Ten-man tag. You had the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Davey Boy Smith, Jim Neidhart, and Brian Pillman versus Steve Austin, the Legion of Doom, Gold Dust, and Ken Shamrock. This was craziness. This <laughs> was, this is my favorite angle of all time, by the way. The whole Heart Foundation faces outside of the U.S., heels in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite time in wrestling. Um, and my favorite storyline, and I think it was Brett's best work, which is saying something, both uh, in ring and in character. It was the best time for him. Um, and this match was kind of, it, it, it encapsulated all of that into one match. And being in Calgary, there, there are a few, a handful Probably on, on one hand, I can count the truly memorable crowds in wrestling history, and this is one of them. This is one of those top five crowds. If there was one event I could have been at that I wasn't at, it would have been this one, because it's the only crowd I ever felt loved Bret Hart the way I loved Bret Hart, and I would have loved to have been there. When you watch that entrance of the Hart Foundation, Pillman's out first, then Neidhart, then Davey, then Owen, then Bret, and Pillman gets a massive pop, and then... Every time somebody else comes out, the pop gets bigger until Brett comes out and it feels like the whole building's going to collapse. At one point, I mean, they're reacting to stomps in the corner. They're they're going crazy over every little thing. The camera shakes. Lawler screams, this building is shaking. That's one of my favorite calls ever because <laughs> you could see it was true. It was literally true. The camera, the hard cam was shaking. The crowd was so into it. And the match never stopped. Um, again, this isn't one of those where it's, you know, flying tope con helos and 38 near falls 
um, this was a fight and it felt real. It felt like it was 10 people who each hated the five people standing across from them. And the crowd also hated the five people standing across from the Heart Foundation. <laughs> um, and uh, the dynamic was awesome. The match was exciting and, and it never dragged. And uh, the right people went over. Uh, the Hart Foundation getting the win, and then the whole Hart family comes in at the end, and they just fill the ring. Um, we get a young Natalia in there, and um, it, it was just—it was everything I loved as a Bret Hart fan. And uh, I wish I could have been—I wish I could have been there. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. What? A, what a what a great again. I love the angle too. Again with them. They're the heroes as long as they're not in the U.S. In the U.S., we're going to boo them out of the building, but they go anywhere else, and they're just the top. They're like the Beatles. It's just insane. And, um, and Brett, Brett was my favorite type of heel, and there have been a few other heels like this, but he was the type of heel that got heat by being honest. Yeah. By telling people the truth about themselves, and people don't like that. And he did it, and that's what got him booed in America. And it's why I loved him, because he was so smart about what he was doing. Yeah, no, tremendous, tremendous angle, great match. Uh, I mean, a lot of times, you know, if it's a 10-man tag, you're like, okay, match ain't going to be that great. It's, you know, how many how many multi-person tag matches, more than two, are in anybody's top 10? This is the only one in this top 10. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah. but fact, It's the a- only one. I, I sat down to make this top 10 list, and I made a top 50 list. And uh, it's the only it's the only tag match with more than four people total in it in the whole list. And there are barely any two on two tag matches. There are a couple, not many. Um, but yeah, let's uh, keep this ball rolling. We're now hitting the top three. Uh, my number three moment um, changing a little bit on the fly. Uh, but number three, I'm going to go with. Uh, because I'm a promo guy, uh, the pipe bomb from CM Punk, the infamous pipe bomb. Uh, we mentioned uh, in the honorable mentions, you know, his match with John Cena, which was kind of the culmination. This kind of started that whole trajectory and got us there um, uh, because uh, Cena's been put through a table, I think, or something in the match. And he just and then Punk just walks out kind of unannounced, sits down on the stage with the mic. And they gave him kind of free reign again, a kind of a work shoot. They were like, you know, get up, get what you want to get off your chest, say whatever you want. And it was stuff that was shocking just from the fact that stuff you never would have expected them to let someone say on WWE TV, like referencing Colt Cabana and ring of honor. Um, and it was just tremendous. And to see punk who was always great on the stick, um, always cut a good promo. I love the, uh, the disciples of CM Punk, the, the straight edge society, uh, that angle was great. And he always played a really good heel. Uh, I liked when he was on commentary, you know, he did a lot of really, really great things and he was a fantastic in-ring performer as well. Um, but this pipe bomb was just so significant. So awesome. I mean, he sits there and, Bad mouse the McMahon family, and there's probably a lot of truth <laughs> in some of the things he said. Some of it, I'm sure, sensationalized a bit, but, um, but yeah, and you know, you kind of sometimes you some people have echoed the sentiment. I maybe have thought it 
even though it's not a great thought, but sometimes with the direction of the product, would it be better if McMahon wasn't around? I'm not going to say that he'd be dead, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, if he passed the torch, passed the torch. Um, sometimes, sometimes I think maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but yeah, no, this, what a tremendous promo and a launching pad to take CM Punk finally to christen him as a top guy. Uh, through this program with his eventual win against John Cena. Um, Punk was another one of those heels that I was just talking about that got heat by telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was in the straight edge society, he told the crowd the truth about themselves and they hated him for it. And then he went out there with this promo and told the truth, at least from his perspective, uh, about what he saw wrong with the WWE. Um but he was also saying everything that so many fans wanted to say or did say and didn't think anyone was listening. And so it got a huge reaction. And uh, the buzz over that promo was it, it eclipsed anything that had happened in recent memory up to that point. Um, and it certainly did finally cement CM Punk as, like you said, a main eventer and a spot he deserved and a spot he kept until he walked out. Yeah. Um, and, and like one of the things he said, and, and I know that I felt this way the same way. It wasn't that we, he's like, you know, I don't hate you, John talking about Cena. He was like, I hate what you represent. And I think some fans, we recently in the past couple of years have gone through this with Roman reigns with, it's not that we don't like Roman or think he's talented. We just don't like what he represents right now with, how they were pushing him and booking him. Um, it wasn't a dislike of the person. It's just the direction they were going with him. Um, yeah. And like Cena, tremendously talented. Yes. You know, people talk about the five moves of doom and, and six, you know, and all that, but he always put on good matches. He always mm-hmm. gave 110%. You can take mm-hmm. nothing away from John Cena as a performer. Right. Um, the dedication, the hard work he puts in is so apparent if you sit down and really watch the matches. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a launching point for CM Punk. Yep. All right. My number three favorite match of all time, WrestleMania 21, Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels. This was a brand versus brand match. Nobody really remembers that because who cares? This was Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels. There were no titles on the line. This was just a dream match that everybody had wanted to see. And they lived up to expectations. Uh, They put on a match. First of all, there's nothing on the line, and it's WrestleMania. You expect the face to go over. I wanted Kurt Angle to win. And uh, I I was still upset with Shawn Michaels over Montreal at that point a little bit. Still holding on on a little bit of that. A little bit. Just a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I, I was definitely for, for Kurt Angle here and didn't think it was going to happen. Um, you know who else didn't think was that was going to happen was uh, a lady that was in one of the first few rows across from the camera. 
I kept my eye on her. Man, was she for Shawn Michaels. And man, did I feel like rubbing it in her face when Kurt Angle got that submission victory. She, <laughs> <laughs> it was fair. I watched her the whole time. And every time I watch this match, I watch that lady. She's blonde. She's like wearing a black tank top or something. Her husband's for Kurt Angle or her boyfriend or whatever the guy. Maybe it's her brother. I don't know. But she's there with some guy. He's for Kurt Angle and she's for Shawn Michaels. And yeah, maybe it's a little cruel, but I felt uh, a smug <laughs> sense of satisfaction when Kurt Angle won that match. And she collapsed in her seat. Um, it was pretty tremendous. But they, this is one of those matches that that delivers near falls and believable near falls. A lot of people try near falls today, and they aren't believable, and they aren't logical. These were both. Um, they were they gave the near falls that would make sense if they were in a real match that maybe weren't meant to convince us the match was about to end. But then as we got to the climax, they gave us the ones that were meant to convince us the match was going to end. And they did convince us that the match was going to end. Uh, Angle hits an angle slam off the turnbuckle. And uh, it looked like that was it. And it wasn't it. And the match kept going. And it was uh, it was everything I wanted it to be, including with the outcome that I wanted to see and didn't think I was going to get. These two, at the time, were the two best in the world, and they proved it. Yeah, I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Dream match. Uh, seeing these two lock up was just awesome. A thing to behold, and didn't have to have a title. Wasn't necessary. Who cares? Um, it was just, you know, two of the greatest performers in the history of the business. If not the two greatest, you can make an argument. Um, but wow, uh, what a match they put on. Yes, and great that um, Angle won. I will have to go back and watch now and keep an eye out for this lady. Now I'm very yes. intrigued. Uh, <laughs> yes. I do not remember that. Uh, shouts at the ring. Shouts. Oh, I've got to go back and <laughs> check it match. out. Yeah. But um, uh, Dream Matchups is a good segue into my number two moment of all time, uh, which is Hogan rock WrestleMania 18 again. I mean, what an, a match you probably thought was never going to be possible. Um, and then WWE buys WCW and we get an invasion angle that doesn't work because it doesn't have the biggest stars that everybody wanted because of contracts and stuff. And then finally that stuff gets cleared up and the NWO gets injected. The original three Hall, Nash and Hogan get injected uh, by Vince McMahon to help kill the WWE because he and Ric Flair were having this kind of back and forth over the company at the time, if I do remember correctly. Um, And it led ultimately to Hogan versus Rock at WrestleMania in Toronto and just the electricity can't, it's such an understatement. This is probably one of the craziest crowd reaction matches that you can watch just because Hogan, it's WrestleMania. He's finally back in WWE after all these years and the crowd couldn't give a damn that he's the heel. No one cared. They were with our boy. He's back. Screw that rock guy. <laughs> Hogan's my man. Yeah. And, and you felt it. It was just amazing. And I mean, 
the match, the two guys did what they could. It was a decent match. Nothing to write home about as far as a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just classic Hogan and rock. And the fact and speaks to the ability of both of these performers of how to read that crowd and say, okay, screw it. Let's run with it. Mm-hmm. And rocks like, fine, I'll be the heel. Yeah. No problem. And he was getting booed left and right. And then Hogan was getting every cheer possible. Uh, the moment when he does some of the Hogan pose in the middle of like, he, you know, he did a shoulder tackle and, and Rock can't believe he got knocked down. And Hogan does the flex his arms and, and scream at him. And the crowd goes absolutely ballistic. And let's not even talk about when he hulks up. Yeah. Jesus. That crowd. Um, and I mean, it, it was it was set up perfectly. Uh, I wouldn't change a thing as much as I in that moment seeing it. And even when I go back and watch it, I was like, man, imagine the reaction had Hogan won. Um, which ultimately he didn't, but that's okay. He didn't need to, uh, he was passing the torch. This is the, the coronation basically of them saying the rock, you're the guy, you're the future, you're the man. And, um, at least for the next year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Until you leave us. That's true. Uh, but it was such a, such a great match, a great moment. And afterwards, of course, Nash and Hall turn on him and, and rock makes the save and we, you know, Hogan gets to do the pose and the listen and all that stuff. And just crazy. Just so awesome. I, I love um, every minute of it. I was every bit as into this as the crowd was from, from my apartment at Virginia Tech watching live that night. Um, I, I, Hogan was my guy, too. And I felt like I was eight years old again, seeing him at WrestleMania and seeing him do his thing. If only he'd been wearing the red and yellow. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I was in grad school, and I'm pretty sure I hulked up with Hulk Hogan as he did it, like I did when I was an eight-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. That's how into it I was. And, yeah, for both of them, look, people criticize Hulk Hogan for saying he's not a good wrestler. That's a load of crap. He's, he doesn't do moonsaults, but he doesn't need to. That's not the only way to be a great wrestler. He knows how to read an audience. He knows how to tell a story. He knows how to get the crowd to react the way he wants them to. And um, I don't know more about wrestling than Hulk Hogan. You don't know more about wrestling than Hulk Hogan. And nobody listening to this knows more about wrestling than Hulk Hogan. He knows what he's doing. He always has. And he is absolutely one of the greatest of all time. Whether or not he does moonsaults or Texas clover leaves, it doesn't matter. That's not his thing. Everybody can't be the same. Nobody did what he did better than Hulk Hogan. And he that night proved it. And then The Rock was right there, too doing his thing and like you said going along with it and shifting on the fly and saying this is going to be we've got to do we've got to listen we've got to listen to the crowd and do what they want us to do and what they need us to do otherwise this is not going to go well but uh when they listen to the crowd it not only went well it's one of the more memorable matches in wrestling history yes 100 percent um yeah i just man it gets me it gives me goosebumps talking about it yeah like right now uh yeah, it was just so good. I, uh, I'm i going to go watch it again when we get done. <laughs> Probably. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. I need to rewatch it. Um, but something I did watch recently is my number two all-time favorite wrestling match. I feel like a broken record, Tim. You know? 
Because oh, here, here we go two, again. Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Come on. You knew. You knew if the other two were on here, this one had to be. Yeah. Look, this, this match made me a wrestling fan again. I was watching wrestling, but I wasn't into it. It was just part of my routine. And then this match showed me that, oh, there are still wrestlers out there that give me the wrestling that I like. They give me what I look for in wrestling. Um, as I continue to watch after this match, um, I, I, di- I I discovered it was more Sasha doing it than than Bailey. But again, it takes it takes two, and uh, Sasha and Bailey bring out the best in each other. Sasha definitely brings out the best in Bailey, and um, this match was absolutely just everything that I love about wrestling. Um, and it takes the little things. It's the little things that make the difference between good and great and between great and legendary. And little things in this match, such as we're in the heat segment, heel Sasha's in control of Bailey. They're on the outside, but the count's getting up there. Sasha doesn't want to go back inside yet. What would most people do? Roll in and break the count. What does Sasha do? She throws Bailey in the ring, rolls in, and then throws Bailey back out of the ring. If you're going to break the count, why not do it in a way that's going to do a little bit of damage to your opponent? Uh-huh. It's little things like that that nobody else thinks of but Sasha Banks. And Bailey was right there, and the timing of everything, the closing sequence, the Hurricane Rana from the top of the reverse Hurricane Rana from the top rope, which wasn't contrived. They found a natural way to get into that position, a way where Bailey, if it was real, would have thought, you know, I'm sitting here in this position. This is the fastest and easiest way for me to do damage to Sasha Banks. So I'm going to do this and try this. And so it made sense. And when that hit, the crowd stood up and you heard them get louder and louder. Bailey went into position. They knew what was coming, the Bailey to Bailey. They got louder and louder and louder. She hit it louder and louder. And then that three count and the crowd exploded. The timing of it, the way they, just like Hogan and The Rock, just in a completely different way, manipulated that audience and got them to react the way they wanted to. Um, It's just, and, and this was a crowning moment in women's wrestling as well, because there had been great matches um, not a whole bunch of them, but there had been great women's matches. There had been Paige versus Emma before this, um, a, a good match with Charlotte and Natalia before this, but nothing to this degree. And um, you know, Sasha has talked about how they didn't practice before because they knew that if they did, some of the guys would tell them not to do that stuff because yeah. they didn't want them to to steal their thunder, and that sucks. Like, and and and. Talk about insecurity. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys, and I don't know who it was. She didn't say. Obviously, she's not going to say. So I don't know who it was. But obviously, some of the guys are threatened by some of the women. And you know what? They should be because uh, Sasha Banks is better than you, whoever you are. Um, yeah. So, um, and she proves it every time she goes out there. And this match, I've watched it over and over and over, and I never get tired of it. And uh, it makes me glad that I'm still watching wrestling. And um, it makes me... Glad that I discovered Sasha Banks, and um, she makes me glad to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, uh, again, I keep using the word tremendous. I mean, wow. Uh, again, and that build at the end is so perfect, and uh have Bailey finally get that spot. 
because she was kind of the last one of the four horsewomen to really get that title shine. Uh, and she achieves it. The crowd wanted it. The crowd was just so for Bailey. Um, and again, her and Sasha together, uh, just two of the best storytellers in the ring from start to finish in their matches that we've had in uh, recent memory. I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, you can't. I, you... I, I, I think they are the best opponents we've ever seen in wrestling. I think that, if you're talking in-ring product, I don't think there's ever been a better pair of opponents. You could argue Steamboat and Flair, I guess, but I, yeah. I'm not going to because they didn't make my top ten. That's true. <laughs> like, that's I, true. I, I was I was into their '89 series too because I was even even when he was in NWA, I was a big Ricky Steamboat fan from his WWF days. But uh, those matches didn't hook me the way that these matches did, and the way they've had three epic matches epic monumental matches and what they've never done they have done throwbacks to previous matches but they've never repeated anything right. from any of their matches they've never tried to redo a match because hey it worked before let's do the same thing they haven't done that they always give us something new um while still making sure that they remember what came before uh, such as sasha stomping on the chair to finish the match at hell in a cell much like she stomped on Bailey's hand in this match in Brooklyn, um, that worked before from a kayfabe perspective. So I'm going to do it again in this scenario. But from a performance perspective, they don't repeat just because something worked before. They're always telling us new stories without doing anything that's out of character for them. And um, Sasha, you ask me, Sasha's the best in the world. And nobody's going to convince me otherwise. Sorry. Hey, hey, stick to your guns, man. <laughs> uh, all right, we have reached the uh, the numero uno, the number one, and this is going to—it's basically the same for both of us for different reasons. Um, my favorite, and what we're going to—we're going to be talking about Austin versus Brett, uh, WrestleMania. 13. 13. Uh, and this is the infamous match where Austin bleeds like a stuck pig, ends up passing out in the sharpshooter. Uh, I love this not only for the match, but I love the double turn aspect in this match. Um, that really flipped that switch, and Austin was now the guy, the face, and Brett was the uber heel. Um and the way that it was crafted so perfectly uh, for them to achieve this goal and the storytelling is, I mean, second to none uh, might be the only thing that I can say as far as storytelling in the ring in that moment is better than the Sasha and Bailey matches that we've been talking about. Um, so well constructed, two of the best in the business, uh, especially at the time. And just insane, just great. Loved every second of it. I love, again, the double turn and the way the crowd reacts is the icing on the cake of what is my favorite match. And it is my number one match of all time. Yeah, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, March 23rd, 1997, WrestleMania 13. I quit match. Um, it, again, it felt real. It felt like two guys trying to hurt each other. Mm -hmm. It felt like... Um, two guys who didn't really care about anything in the moment, but hurting the other one. Uh, you had Ken Shamrock in there as a special guest referee, and he right. helped cement 
that double turn when uh, when Brett attacks Austin after the match is over and he throws Brett off with a waist yep. lock, challenges him to a fight, and Brett backs down. That cemented the heel turn. Faces don't back down. Uh, heels back down. And um, but the from bell to bell, it it's part main event brawl, but also part psychological warfare. Um, you you've got two guys who know what they're doing as well as anyone, better than almost anyone, and uh, they went out there with a mission. And when they hit the ring, Austin was booed and Brett was cheered. And when the match was over, Brett was booed for walking away. And Austin was getting chants from the yeah. crowd. And Austin lost that match. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. Look, in kayfabe, in the story, Brett Hart went out there and beat Stone Cold Steve Austin into a bloody, unconscious mess in the middle of the ring. He beat the hell out of Steve Austin and walked away victorious. Nobody talks about that because that wasn't the takeaway. The takeaway was Austin didn't give up. Brett walked away from a fight with Shamrock and kicked Austin while he was down. It didn't matter to most people who officially won the match. Yeah. And so the storytelling here, bell to bell and entrance to exit, surpasses anything that's ever been done before or anything that's been done since. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we could probably fill two hours just dissecting this match easily yeah. with how good it was. We're not going to do that. <laughs> no. But what? Yeah, I mean... And and I know now that I think if you watch it on the WWE Network, which I if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Definitely watch it from start. You to should finish. watch all these matches and moments. Yes. Watch all. If you haven't seen any of them, watch Please, them. Please look them up. Watch like, them. You have to pay like nine bucks for Stardom World, but it'll be worth it for that match. I promise. Yeah. Um. But yeah, definitely check these out because they are all. They're great. I mean, there are favorites, but they're also some of the greatest matches and moments of all time. Um. Again, if we ranked actual just what we think is the best and not our favorites, it might differ a little bit, but there'd still be crossover. Um, but yeah, uh, what a, again, can't speak to it enough. What a tremendous, tremendous match on that mania with Brett and, and Stone Cold. Um, and that scene, again, where he's in the sharpshooter, the blood pouring down. And they, I think Shamrock lifts his hand a couple times. We get the classic, no response. And I think at the moment, even I was like, okay, it's going to be the two drop. And then, oh, we're going to get a, a comeback here. But it wasn't. It was just dropped. And it's like, nope, he's out. He's done. He's He's been losing blood. And with all that blood, I mean, no matter what you think about it, I'm sure a lot of people were just like, oh, is he, is he really out? Like, yeah. oh, shit, is it real? <laughs> yeah. So, um. And that's when wrestling's at its best, when it keeps you guessing. Yep. And it takes you out and pulls you in and makes you believe. Yep. And that's what's so that's why we love wrestling is the escapism and and how it can draw you in. Um and you forget. And because I know how, when I when I've been at live events, I don't care that it's staged. For no. three hours I'm in the front row cheering, it's the realest thing in the world to me. Yeah. Um uh, doesn't I don't matter. care that Infinity War is staged either. Yeah, who cares? It's still yeah. good. <laughs> it's still great entertainment. Um, 
And yeah, so I mean, that's our show uh, this time around. Um, our favorite moments and matches. And um, anything you'd like to add to close out the show, my friend? No, just uh, send us your favorites. Yeah. What are your favorites? Yeah, what should you, we watch? Yeah, give us some suggestions if there's some stuff I need that WCW you really, really like. I've seen a lot of WCW stuff, but there's a lot I haven't seen. I need I need WCW stuff, so send me some WCW NWA stuff to watch. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, reach me at, uh, at Timothy K on Twitter. What about you, Steve? I'm at Bizarro Doom on Twitter. And uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe uh, if you like this show. Tune in for more. Tell your friends about it. We hope you've been entertained and have liked what we've been talking about. Uh, let us know that, too. If you like us, if you don't like us, tell us what you like, what you don't like. You know, we're going to try and evolve. We want to be the best show we can. Uh, we'll be coming at you with more content soon enough. Uh, but for today, that's going to do it. You guys have a, a great day and take care out there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Plus WrestleCast. That's P-L-U-S-W-R-E-S-T-L-E-C-A-S-T. On Twitter at Plus WrestleCast. You can also find me at Timothy K. And Steven at Bizarro Doom. Also, search for us on Facebook by just typing in Positively Wrestling. We hope you enjoy the show and we'll tune back in for many, many weeks to come. Thanks for listening to Positively Wrestling.